0: Welcome to the biggest thing to hit the financial advisory ESG community, environmental, social, and governance. I'm Jonathan Kavaznik, CHFC Wealth Advisor. With over 25 years advisory experience, I've been advising clients so they can make a positive global impact.
1: I'm still not quite sure why I'm getting hundreds of dollars in my account every month on the 15th. I know it's the child tax credit. I know that's a part of the American Rescue Plan. So we're getting some of our tax money back now rather than later, depending on how many kids we have and our tax bracket. Right? I think. Well, here's here's another thing that I do know, citing U.S. economists. 450 U.S. economists have written an open letter to congressional leaders saying, let's keep it going. Let's keep this going. That expanding the credit through 2025 would reduce child poverty. That 4.3 million fewer kids would be living in poverty. That's a 40% decrease. I got a lot of questions about that and and Biden's tax plan as well. And whenever I have financial questions, I go to my guy, Jonathan Kavaznik. He's a financial advisor with Cherokee Investments at at, uh, Bank Cherokee. Uh, Jonathan, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Hey, Corey. How are you doing? I'm thankful for your time. Thank you for uh, joining us here this morning. Doing well. I want to start with the child tax credit. Um, Okay, so we're getting hundreds of dollars in our account every month if we have kids. and and So can you exactly... Uh, can, you, can you explain exactly what is happening and, and what has changed between last year and this year? So just as you mentioned,
0: uh, that American Rescue Plan is doing exactly what you said. It's depositing money every month, potentially, into individuals' accounts uh, based on how many kids they have. And right now, of course, everyone is getting uh, $3,000 annually for any child over age six and $3,600 annually for any child under the age of six. And so that's a pretty substantial amount of money if you have multiple kids. As you know, you kind of saw that getting deposited automatically in your account,
1: potentially. Yeah, Yeah, and that started July, I believe, and then it goes through the rest of the year. I guess, Jonathan, how does this impact when we file for taxes in 2022? And say we file in March, and then we get our returns, and maybe we get cash back, and that's what we're used to. How is it going to affect that?
0: So for a lot of people who file tax returns, it kind of went on autopilot. They used your tax return filing from 2020 and 2019 to realize that you qualify. And they just started doing those deposits. So what the rule is, is right now you're getting 50% of the benefit on a monthly basis. And then you'll get the other half of that tax credit when you actually file your tax returns for 2021. So you're not getting the full amount up front. However, you do have the option if you felt it was better for you to opt out of the monthly and just take it on your tax return when you do your filing for 2021.
1: Okay. So how does this affect different like tax brackets? Say you're in a, you know, in a larger tax bracket and say maybe you have one child, um, you know, and maybe typically in a year where you owe money, you know, at the end where it's like, okay, you know, you still owe money at the, at the end, um, you know, are you getting cash back now? And then are you, you know, going to have to pay even more later on? Yeah. So that's kind of where you need to do a little planning when
0: we talk about whether you should take the benefit monthly or whether you should take it as a credit on your tax return when you file. In a lot of cases, people owe at the end of the year. And it's kind of nice. You would have a $3,600 or a $3,000 tax credit that you would just get lumped onto your tax return. And remember, it's not a deduction. It's actually a credit, which is really much more powerful than saying you got a deduction, which is what we normally get for a child when we deduct them as a tax exemption, right? We get a deduction of $2,000 for them, but it's much more powerful. Yeah. So again, it's kind of how your budget works and whether or not you would normally pay in or get a refund. That's the kind of planning you want to kind of do right now.
1: Okay. So last thing on the child tax credit then is, you know, I know they're talking about this. I had mentioned the, the child poverty story as well. Um, you know, from your perspective, what do you think happens here? And, and, and just even as you kind of look around in, at the landscape here, does this feel like, OK, this is going to be a one or two year thing or that this is something that could be put in place for years to come?
0: So I, I believe that it really came out of the whole pandemic, right? And the whole idea that people were really in trouble and financially suffering and didn't get a chance to have a paycheck or they were taking care of their kids at home instead of having them in school. And so there is potential that it could get extended. However, we have to think about we really want to help the the lower brackets or the people who are really struggling. And the the income threshold actually is one hundred and seventy thousand dollars for a household, which really seems pretty high when you think about everyone getting back to work. So I think there has to be maybe a happy medium. You know, if you're down there and you're not able to get back to work and you're really in the hole financially and in debt, this would be a great thing to extend. But. Again, a household making 170000 you and I giving that credit every year, that's, that's a pretty big benefit to those people who are already making some pretty good income.
1: Yeah, great point. Jonathan Kavaznik here, financial advisor with Cherokee Investments at Bank Cherokee. Uh, I want to ask you about Biden's tax plan, uh, $3.6 trillion tax increase on upper-class Americans. I guess we have to start with the definition of rich. It seems like that is kind of changing. I mean, a million dollars, you know, uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago is different than it is today. Absolutely.
0: And if you think about it, uh, you hear this buzzword of $400,000 of income and not taxing people who make uh, less than that. And then there's always all these different things that go on with our selling of our investments or buying investments and selling real estate or buying a home. And so that million dollars that you mentioned is another number that they're throwing out there that maybe we're going to get taxed a little different when we actually have things that change in our life or life cycle events. Or maybe we get an inheritance from a parent or a grandparent. And there's a lot of different numbers
1: being thrown out there. You know, rich Americans, and we hear that all the time, rich Americans. But we're talking about the, the very, very top, right, the, the 1% of people. And we always hear, tax are rich. How are they able to avoid paying taxes? And, and I don't know. I'm sure it's incredibly convoluted. But, I, I mean, we get questions on this all the time, and I'm never quite sure how to answer that. How do, how do the very, very rich avoid paying some of these taxes? Are there all these loopholes and stuff? The way to think
0: about it really is that as I increase my net worth or I increase my holdings or maybe I own farmland or own a business. And so some of those people really have a lot of money tied up in very illiquid assets. And so they're wealthy on paper, but they may not be so wealthy when it comes to trying to figure out how they can spend that money. And so there's some data that shows that the top 1% actually pay 40% of the federal taxes. Mm. So it's not that they don't pay taxes. It's what kind of taxes do they get taxed for, mm. right? They have a business, they have some sales, they have some uh, in corporate taxes. They're not paying it the same as an individual necessarily is how it gets calculated, but they're still paying a, a pretty good chunk of money. I don't know that it would be a true statement to say they pay no taxes, but there are loopholes that they're using to pay taxes in a different manner.
1: It's very interesting because all the time we do hear a lot of that, that narrative that, um, they never pay. They just get out of pain. But that's a good point, Jonathan. Here, do you see people? Um, because I saw this article at CNBC that millionaires are worried about leaving their kids too much money. Is this something that you see? Like, I don't know if you deal with millionaires or anything like that. But even people that that would be in in an upper, you know, uh, an upper bracket, and they're like, "Well, I, I don't know what to do because if we give this to our kids at this age, it, it could be irresponsible." Do you see this?
0: You know, we we hear about that, and clients come in and say that. Uh, the reality, I feel, is that right now there's an exemption for $11 million an individual to give away money to other people, right? That's the estate tax uh, threshold for federal. And in Minnesota, it's $3 million. So if you think about it, at that level and giving away our money now, one of the alternatives is to slowly give that away while you're alive rather than leave your kids a big lump sum and then worry about them being irresponsible and yeah. how they use it, all right? so. I would say do a little planning and decide if you want to start giving it away sooner as opposed to waiting if you felt that way. But in most cases, I, I really believe that people want to give their heirs uh, a really good chance to have yeah. a good lifestyle. So yeah. it's very great.
1: Well, and I think, Jonathan, too, one thing that I know that uh, you take great pride in and, and, and we do, too, is – you know, lifting up others and, and and finding a cause in your community and living with a purpose. And, and we've talked about ESGs before, and that's certainly a way to do that. But this is another way, too, that, you know, if you, you plan right, you can then take that money that you've worked hard and, and use it how you want to. And, and maybe that's that service in, in a particular way.
0: Yes, I think if you're really concerned about taxes and you're concerned about irresponsible heirs, uh, you could do beautiful things by leveraging that and helping out nonprofits and helping society as a whole. That's absolutely correct. Sometimes people don't even think about the whole IRA rule where they can get $100,000 out of their IRA and give it to a charity and nobody pays taxes on it. What a beautiful way to do that. So yeah, kind of think about those things and help some of the others. That's right. Lifting up society is a great way to reduce your tax burden.
1: Awesome. Jonathan, I always love our talks. Thank you so much for uh, taking time today. Feel good about it uh, and uh, have a good rest of your week.
2: Yeah, you too. Awesome. Thanks so much, Corey. We'll talk to you. Take care.
1: Jonathan Kavaznik, Financial Advisor with Cherokee Investments at Bank Cherokee.
2: If you have any questions, please contact Jonathan Kavaznik at jkavaznik. that's K-V-A-S-N-I-K, at securitiesamerica.com. ESG Players Podcast can be found on iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and many other platforms through the Backroom Studios That's Backroom Studios, S-T-E-W-D-I-O-S. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC, Jonathan B. Kovaznik, CHFC, Registered Representative Advisory Services offered through Securities America Advisories, Inc. Cherokee Investment Services, Bank Cherokee, and Securities America are separate companies, not FDIC insured, no bank guarantees, may lose value, not insured by any government agency, not bank deposits.